is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar Esaiasen, back for a, another episode of Breathe In with my lovely co-host, Tiffany. We're missing Leah today. Missing we Leah. are. She's gone today. Big but she week. had a birthday this weekend. We, we give her a pass. We give her a pass because it was yes. her birthday. Um, but to yeah. fill Leah's spot, we have uh, Martin DeFlieger, who's 37 from Canada, joining us today. Martin, how are you? Great. Yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing mm-hmm. well. No complaints, <laughs> right? No complaints. It's summertime. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so, Martin, you're 37 living with cystic fibrosis from Canada. You're are actually our first Canadian on the podcast. How about yes. that? Yes. Nice. So there you go. <laughs> Represent. Rep- yes, representing <laughs> the Canadian color as well. Um, I also understand it was, a bir- it was a birthday the other day. Yep. I got turned 37 years old and uh, feeling old, losing my hair, but life is good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, well. it's, it's a good thing when a person with CF gets to the point in his life where he starts losing his hair. Is that, is that right? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's almost like... Uh, it's like a consolation prize, I guess. <laughs> well, happy belated birthday. Yes, <laughs> likewise, you. likewise. So, Martin, you're on the podcast to talk about um, the Monarch Fest, which we'll get to in a moment. But let's talk about your life as a person with cystic fibrosis, especially north of the border. Um, yeah. So, you know, let's get into it. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how uh, you've gotten to the point where you are today. So, um, I was actually born in Holland, and we immigrated um, when I was about a year and a half to two years old. And we immigrated a lot because of the climate and uh, better outcomes of cystic fibrosis, obviously. Oh, wow. And I've been in Tabor ever since. Were you diagnosed uh, Were you diagnosed right at birth? I was diagnosed about four days after birth. Okay. okay. So it was fairly lucky. I just didn't gain any weight and the typical signs, I guess. And right. So I was lucky a lot of damage didn't get done early. So yeah. that was uh, really wonderful. And then uh, growing up as a child, I lived a fairly normal life. I guess you guys would understand it's the medication and everything else that goes with it, right? And uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I give a lot of my uh, health to my mom. She did a lot for me and, and uh, took really good care of me. And uh, I lived a pretty normal life, played hockey like Gunner. Uh, yeah. was very involved in sports and, um, you know, had a lot of friends. Uh, I never was ever felt I was really held back, but it, there was points in my life where obviously, you know, you have to pull back and take it easy and do the things you got to do. And then um, after high school, I was never much of a, I guess, education type of person. I always wanted to adventure, do things. I traveled quite a bit, backpacked Europe, uh, went all over the place. And then I had to get serious in life and find a job. So I, <laughs> I, I struggled for a long time uh, what to do. I grew up, in, yeah. my family had a construction company and a bit of farm. So I tried that for a little bit, but... Um, it just it didn't work with CF. Uh, yeah, the, I'm sure know, there's the a dust. lot of dust. Yeah, the dust, the long hours, and mm-hmm. I found my health going down fairly quick. And frankly, I was bored, so <laughs> I figured, you know, life's short. I want to live it up. So yeah. I d- always had a love for flying, so I decided to become a commercial helicopter pilot. Oh, 
Wow. And uh, that kind of leads into where my life all started from there. I moved up north. I got my license, then I moved up north and worked in the oil patch working camp jobs. So I was gone for substantial amounts of time where I had nobody to take care of me. And that's mm-hmm. where my health really started to decline. Mm-hmm. And at, that's at the point where I started playing with the idea of um, building therapy devests or the monarch or whatever you want to call it now um, to provide therapy for myself to take care of myself. So wow. let's 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 back up here because it sounds like you've done you've you've, you've done quite a few a extraordinary things here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yep. So no, I I I, I uh, the thing that caught my mind most was backpacking around, traveling around quite a bit. Uh, how how were you able to care for yourself then? You know what was it like to travel with CF. You know I think a lot of people with CF see CF as a deterrent to travel when you know it really shouldn't be. It, it's one of those things where you got to get there and live your life. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, a lot of people, I get a lot of questions. People always say, how do you do that? Or why do you do that? I will tell you that traveling, especially backpacking, backpacking Europe, probably, you know, hurt me a little bit, but the benefit of living life overcomes that for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just take a really big backpack, you haul all your drugs with you, portable compressors, and you just have to be very firm, uh, whether you're traveling or at home to stick to your regiment. Yeah. And I'm pretty good at that. I I'm, I don't care if people see me coughing. I don't care if people uh, see me going to bed early or if I, hey, I can't party tonight. I'm, I'm going to bed. Mm. Um, it's my life and I'll take care of it and own it, right? So, um, but traveling, I think it in a way makes you stronger to mm-hmm. take care of yourself because it forces you to do it totally on your own. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I encourage anybody to go do it. I mean, the oh. world's open. Go explore. How old were you when you did this? So I backpacked to Europe when I was 18. Oh, okay. So right yeah. out of high school. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, I was done. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Now, what, what, would you say that your active lifestyle is what's gotten you so far in CF? Uh, you know, obviously being a 37, you're a bit of an outlier for, uh, for some of the CF population and, and really, you know, the, the general demographics of the people who are suffering from the illness. You know, what, what, is, is that, would you credit your activity, your exercise, your active lifestyle towards where you are today? I would, I would say 100%. Um, mm-hmm. Activity, obviously, like you know and everybody else knows, is good for anybody without CF even. And <laughs> yes. with, CF, yeah. with CF is 100 times more. I mean, if you could keep your lungs moving and keep active. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a really big part is if you get out there and do things and keep active and be happy, you're positive and naturally you do better in life. Yeah. And I've always been the kind of person who I can be told, you know, this is going to happen next week or you can't do this. It just makes me want to do it harder. Mm-hmm. And I always want to push the, the, the envelope. And um, I, I think it's totally helped. You bet. So, you know, I, now that you've gotten so far in life, you, you have a family. Um, you know, what's it like being a father with CF? And, and how did you become a father? You know, we, we did a podcast a few weeks ago uh, with a gentleman who's going through IVF. Obviously, men with cystic fibrosis are 90% or 95%, whatever, is infertile. So in order to become a father, there's, you know, there's different steps men have to take. What was that process like for you, and wh- what is it like to be a father now with CF? Um, it, it, was, it was quite the process. So growing up, Um, I always envisioned in my life that I would just be single. I didn't want to burden anybody with my disease. And I met my wife and she was totally okay with it. Why is that though? You know, what, 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 you know, led you to to feel that early on? Sorry to cut you off. Um, no, no problem. I, 
I guess it's from almost a selfish standpoint that you don't want others to have to suffer because you know what's the inevitable somewhat is going to come eventually. And I I just felt why drag more people into that, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a tough, tough decision for me until basically you meet a partner that says, no, I'm in it with you and I I have no problem with it. And that was a big changing point for me. Um, I always thought I would just be a helicopter pilot, go live the dream, and when it was over, it was over. And... uh, a lot of circumstances changed in my life. I also have CF liver disease, mm-hmm. which okay. is uh, fairly, um, I had a GI bleed when I was uh, in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. So it was, I have fairly bad CF liver disease. So uh, later, um, after flying for several years, I lost my commercial medical so I couldn't fly anymore. Mm-hmm. So that really opened my eyes to, you know, what am I going to do in life? What am I going to do? And one day my doctor sat me down and he says, you know, there's no reason you can't have a family and kids. And I never really even put it in my mind until then. And then about a year later, he really encouraged us. And uh, we, obviously we know that CF patients, 95% can't have kids. We decided to um, to basically go sperm donor route. Um, it was a lot easier emotionally and mentally. And I'm, as a, as a person, was totally okay with that. And my wife was. And uh, now we have two beautiful children. And the process was actually very simple and very easy compared to IVF, um, from what I understand, can be quite expensive, taxing, and take a lot of time. How, how long was the process start to, start to finish? So I would say from the time you get a doctor referral, I'm not sure what it is in the U.S., but in Canada, from the time we had a doctor's referral, you have to take a little bit of counseling, and then uh, you have to, of course, pick your sperm donor. Mm-hmm. And from that point to... Um, starting to try is a matter of literally two months. I okay. think that's all it was. But we had to try for nine months mm-hmm. before it worked. So that was that was getting very hard towards the end. And we actually um, were almost ready to give up and wanted to go down the route of adoption. But we found out later with CF, good luck, they're not going to give you a kid. So uh, we were looking at foster to adopt anything. And then all of a sudden, bang, it worked. So that was a, a very good... Um, you know, blessing from God. And then mm-hmm. our second child happened on the second try. So that was, I think, oh. you know, we weren't nervous. We weren't yeah. apprehensive. Maybe that all played into it and helped. It's amazing how, how different that is, that is that experience is for, for people. You know, it, it sounds like there's just a wide range of uh, experience with it. And, and some people go through it pretty quickly. Other people are going for years and years and years. And, and it seems like it is a very heart-wrenching experience. Yeah, it, it's mentally and emotionally hard, I think, especially on the woman. Um, I'm pretty, as a, as a guy, I'm pretty easygoing. So I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason. And I, I try not to dwell on the negatives and look at the positives. So I always said, if it works, this is what's meant to be. And if it's not, mm-hmm. there will be another path for me in life. And I think that's the way I've kind of always lived. And now that we have children, um, I look at life a lot different. Um, as a father now... I think about the future a lot more. Before, I was really apprehensive to even think about going through a lung transplant because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of good outcomes, but I've seen a lot of bad outcomes. Right. But now, with children, I will do anything to be with them as long as I can. Yeah. And I think it also has made me fight harder every day when I go run, every day when I take mm-hmm. my meds, not to go out too late, to stick to a regime because yeah. I have a purpose to live. And I, I encourage anybody with kids or with CF to, to go down that route. I think it we're, we're normal people. It fulfills our life. It gives us a purpose. Yeah, I agree. 
Hoping, now, I, you know, I, I think, wanna... Tiffany, it's interesting you says that. I, yeah. I wonder if you felt the same way. You know, did, were you mm-hmm. apprehensive about thinking about your future until you got transplant? And now are you yeah. sort of I, forward looking? I, I believe I didn't really think about the future. I was just in the moment. And then when I got told that I needed that transplant, I was like, oh, okay, if I want to keep living and I want to go do this and that in the future and like actually maybe have a family or, you know, go get married and do all the, you know, the normal things, <laughs> if you will. And I think definitely thinking and getting a transplant definitely was like, okay, I can, I can do these things now. You know, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Martin, I, can I, can I just ask one question? Absolutely. Did you ever feel, did you ever feel at some point where it said, you know, it's, or or think in your mind that it's something that you might just not want to go down because of the fear, like the Um, fear of, of, of it not working or. Yeah. I try not to think about that part. I uh, honestly was thinking like when I got told I needed to get reevaluated, I was very resistant. I was like, no, this, uh, not me, you know, I don't need that, um, and whatever, but then I kind of eased into it, and then I was like, if I want to live, it's either I live or I suffer, and what, you know, whatever, um, happens, but I think that just, I was scared, for sure, but I just kind of didn't think about the rejection or any of that stuff. So when, when the moment came, Mm-hmm. for you to go into surgery was mm-hmm. it some people have explained to me my sister has explained to me that it was a relief either that you would have a new chance or you would stop mm-hmm. suffering is yeah. that fair I was say? so calm I was yeah. the calmest person you would see in that room that's interesting I was just sitting there yeah so your sister she had a transplant yeah she's post five years now and that's, that's the amazing. way she explained it to me too but I think I try to wrap my head around that but I don't yeah. think I can ever do that till you're in the position yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, it's yeah, it's kind of like you want to keep going, or do you want to see how far you can go with your original yeah. ones? You know, it, it almost seems like it's an emotion without words. Um, exactly. Now, I I, I do want to come back to to Martin something yeah. you said earlier, where you said you had a conversation with your doctor, and I think it's amazing uh, the conversation with your doctor about you know beginning a family or you know you know you know coming back to getting some purpose in life, and and I, and I think it's amazing what can happen when. Doctors can bestow some advice on, on onto us, and I, you know mm-hmm. I think people, you know doctors they obviously don't have cystic fibrosis or <laughs> a CF doctor yeah. shouldn't have CF, but yeah. uh, but, but uh, you know I, I think it's interesting that uh, we do often look to doctors for advice because they they are around CF so often and they, and they really are experts in the disease from a you know from a different standpoint. Yeah, um, and, and I think it's amazing how uh, you you look back so many years later on that conversation that you had with your doctor. Yeah, I look back and actually he just retired. He's actually retiring here at the end of July. And I wrote him a card and I, I thanked him. You know, he changed my life. You know, yeah. that that day I still remember sitting there and my wife came to clinic with me and he just reassured us that, you know, this is a possibility and you are normal, right? And yeah. uh, I think when you hear it from somebody who deals with it and sees it every day mm-hmm. uh, from a clinician's point of view, is it's 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 a... Uh, it's a bit of reassurance that it can work and a bit of a bit of faith that it'll be fine and to push you through it right yeah 
Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, now let's change gears here. I, you know, I want to talk about um, the Monarch, uh, you know, something that you, you had such a big part in, in developing. Uh, and I think it'll also be interesting for, for Tiffany because Tiffany now post-transplant yeah. has, has no use for a vest airway clearance system. Um, yeah. You know, you know, you know what, uh, what, 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 what is that sort of, um, what was that process like and what was the, uh, the inspiration behind all that? So the, the inspiration behind the Monarch to me was, was freedom. Like, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I needed, you know, if I was going to continue this life of adventuring and flying and being gone, um, it, as I just want to bring out to the point that in Canada till, uh, even today, like the, the old vests or not the old vests, but the air vests, the air bladder vests weren't available to anybody here because of the healthcare system. They're not funded. So the only treatment I had was either manual physio on myself or manual physio by my mother. So, yeah. So when I went up north or traveling, you know, I used to fly long days. I'd come home, I was tired. The last thing I'd want to do is postural drainage. So I would end up just not doing it, just like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I remember coming home one time and my mom said, hey, you've built all kinds of stuff in your life. You're inventing stuff all the time. Figure something out to build for yourself. So Mm -hmm. that's how it all started. I... It's almost, I believe, 12 years ago now when I started playing with the first ideas. Um, and if you look on my Instagram, you could see some pictures of the first, I call them the Iron Maiden, the ones that are <laughs> basically steel and, and made out of sewing machine motors. But it, it was all, I built it all on feel and on, on trying to mimic manual physio. Yeah. And um, that, that was my goal, to replace my mother, um, as, yeah. as harsh as it sounds, right? Because huh. yeah. I, I, I wanted to be independent. And uh, so that's kind of how how it started and how it got farther was after I had my bad uh, liver episode and I, I, you know, basically couldn't fly for a living anymore. I my mom said, hey, you have a great talent. Why don't you try get this thing out so a lot of other patients can feel the freedom you do. And and that's Mm -hmm. kind of where the whole thing led into where it is today. Wow. It's, it's, it, you know, I, I, I have a monarch myself, so I, I've used it, and it's, it is very different from from other vests. You know, I think yeah. getting used to the, uh, you know, not having a vest with, with, with an air bladder, as you call it, is, is very different. You know, it's a very yeah. different feel to to the way the vest works. Um, you know, and, and I also think it's fascinating that people with cystic fibrosis will do anything to gain independence, right? I yeah. think I think in, yeah. a lot, in a lot of ways independence is something that all of us with cystic fibrosis crave. You know, I know when I came home from college after my senior year of school, I had uh, double pneumonia. I just had recurring yeah. bouts of infections after infection after infection. And I was I was in a place where I was totally reliant on other people. It was just a, a hell of a place that I used as a motivation because I don't ever want to go back to that kind of yeah. that, that yeah. lifestyle. <laughs> uh, I was too. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You were too before, uh, before transplant. And I yeah. think... You know, the, the motivation to where I am now has come a lot of because I don't want to be dependent on other people. And it sounds like that's where this, mon, you know, the Monarch Airway yeah. Clearance Therapy has come from. Um, so now I understand you're, you're, you're not an employee of Hillrom, but Hillrom got involved. How? So um, I when I basically it used to be called uh, another name when I was inventing it I actually started out as I, I named everything that I invented, I would have a name and I would start it with the 1000 model. So <laughs> when I, when I basically started to work with Hillroom, it was, or, or move on to trying to basically commercialize it or get it out to people. It was called the chess master 5,000. <laughs> and that's the, that see, yeah. so that was the fifth model. And I actually still have the old one in my garage and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just 
archaic and big and but it's it's pretty cool works pretty good um so yeah from there on um i had uh, a relative actually who is somewhat of a an angel investor kind of guy and he took on the basically the commercialization part i was involved with hill rom um indirectly to i really wanted to stay involved with hill rom to work with them to make sure that it wasn't altered to the feeling I had from it mm-hmm. because an engineer does not have CF an engineer is an engineer right so yeah. I wanted to make sure with what I invented is what was actually going out to the people okay. so that's I um, that's kind of how I worked with Hill Rom mm-hmm. to get it to that point and uh, and now we are we're here today and they're taking it and doing wonders with it and getting it out to the world yeah it's awesome it's amazing, you know. I I do think that the uh, the independence that the Hillrom offers, the portable vest, the nature of it being portable, is really, you know, it's awesome. It's really the selling point. It's, it's the it's the why yeah, it's someone was GF. I mean, I was able to walk my dogs down the street with the Hillrom. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool. Like, um, I love that to yeah. be able to be free from my yep. bed and the tubes. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, Tiffany, were, were were you using your vest how many times a day right before transplant? Four. You're four times a day. You're on the vest. Yeah. So for so how much ta- how much time in the day is that in your life? Um, I was doing it thirty minutes. So two hours, two hours yeah. entire. So that, yeah. that's two hours of sitting there doing this. That's unbelievable. Now I yeah, I was I was on it. I needed to get that stuff out. I was so con you know, yeah. I was so congested. So I would be on the vest the whole time, like you know, two hours of the day. And I would have loved to be able to get up a little bit and do something and make it kind of more productive, Uh if you will, you know. So I'm really interested in this because since I've never had a portable vest. So what's the like feeling like you were saying, Gunnar, it feels different than the air. How what does it feel like to you? You know, I'll let Martin answer this question as well. Um, For me personally, I um, I I liking it more towards like manual chest PT. It feels okay. like, it feels like someone's actually striking you. Uh, at least for me, uh, you know, it feels like okay. someone's actually hitting me. Um, uh-huh. you know, with the, uh, the, the, there's four paws in the front and four paws in the back. And I, I think it, it, it does feel more like a, a physical treatment. Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the air bladder vest, while they, you know, are, in my opinion, it's all kind of just as effective as one another. It's yeah. whatever is in, yeah. in your opinion for the moment. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a different way of doing the same, the same kind of thing. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think that, that, that's well put. So the way I can explain the differences is um, I, knowing that I, ha- I have a big and large spleen and liver. So okay. when I had the opportunity to try an air bladder vest on, I couldn't wear it because it would squeeze your thorax. Mm-hmm. It would cause me a lot yep. of pain. So when I, when I was going down the inventing stages of this, I had, I had four things that I said it had to be portable, had to last a weekend. It had to be um, as effective as manual physio or more. Um, it had to be robust. Okay. And, and um, it, I, I wanted it to be accessible to everybody. So yeah. I think I've hit, to hit those points. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe that it does work different. I think when at first going down, everybody was comparing it to the, um, the, the normal vest. Mm-hmm. But I, the way I explain the way it works is it shears your mucus, thins, it, it actually thins your mucus and then moves mm-hmm. air. So I find, like, for instance, I put it on in the morning and mm-hmm. then I, I, I run every day, try run mm-hmm. five kilometers a day. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if I wear it before mm-hmm. and get as much out as I can and then I go run, mm-hmm. it, it's, my mucus is much more liquefied. 
wow. than if I don't go run. And I can, I, can, I can see a substantial amount of difference in how much I cough out in my runs compared to using it and not running it, using it. So uh-huh. I, think, I think it's a, I'm not saying that either one is the better therapy. It's, it's what works for you. Um, okay. But I built it solely on feel uh, without any outside influences what worked the best for me, right? So. Yeah, that's cool. So you said pods, Gunner. What's up? What's pods? So the you know I'll let Martin explain it yeah, as well. But you know I I think you know, the 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 pods and what they are is like you put the vest on right and there's yeah. there's basically four little mechanisms. They all seem to have like their own little individual like motorized capacity to it. And okay. they sit on there's there's two on the front of your chest, two on the back like the upper back, and then there's two on your lower chest and two on your lower back. You know where mm. your lungs go. And um, the pods basically they they vibrate or they they strike you. Similar to how the, the, the other vest, you know, the normal vest would kind of, you know, shake you. So I always say that it's the, the, the air bladder vest is really shaking you. This is striking you. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so, so, so basically yeah. You, you have your four lungs of your lobes, right? Right. So if you were to get manual PT, your mom would do it here, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to mimic basically my hands of my mother on my chest is the way I explain it, right? Mm-hmm. So where you used to get two hands on your chest... Now you're getting eight at once. Wow. And what it's, what it's doing is it's using electromagnetic and, and but basically uh, coil technology that mm-hmm. compresses individual ports or points on your lungs to create the vibration in your lungs and to move air in your lungs, which helps you, ex, you know, excrete the mucus. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, one other thing that I'd like to bring up, which is, which I found, um, I, I had to get, um, Last September, I had a lot of, my spleen was getting so enlarged that my platelets were going down to nothing. So I was, you know, at risk of bleeding again. So I had to get my spleen embolized again, which is basically they go in and they plug off veins to your spleen, which makes it die. And it's it's very painful. So I couldn't wear, if uh, the vest, I couldn't do treatment down on my lower left side because of the pain. So the Monarch allows you to, if you have a port or an area with pain, you can shut individual pods off. Oh my gosh, So awesome. now wear a normal vest, you can't wear a port. Uh, my sister was able to wear it with a port, right? Yeah. Or say you have a collapsed lung on your left side, you can turn mm-hmm. those off. So yeah. it's very controllable in what mm-hmm. you can do and how you can do your treatments. And I think that's a, a big, big advantage. That's probably, that's my, awesome. that's probably my favorite feature. You know, I... Like many people would say, if I have localized chronic illness in, in certain parts of my lung and I have other parts of my lungs that are, that are you know, a lot more healthy. And by looking, by virtue of looking at an x-ray, you can sort of tell and advice with your doctor. You know, my doctor will always tell me to increase uh, airway clearance based on a, a, certain, a certain locale of my, of my chest, either with manual PT. But now I have the ability to do that with the Monarch. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, my, my right upper lobe and my right middle lobe are kind of the problem area. So that I, what I do is I, I turn those pods on if I feel like I need extra, extra treatments. My, uh, my doctor sort of basically ha- has recommended my use for, for the Monarch to be a supplemental to, to my, my daily cystic fibrosis care. You know, I, I think um, it, many people find airway clearance. Uh, in, in their own ways, and, and like you said, Martin, it's whatever works best for you. Yep, you know, I find absolutely. that there's nothing there's nothing compared to exercise, right? I think yep, exercise yep. is by far the best the best medium for airway clearance that there is. I mean, it's it's, it's nothing even comes close. And as a hockey player, you know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. Are you painting the ice green like I am when I'm out there playing? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah see, or the bench or the bench floor. Yeah, exactly. So you know, <laughs> see, I, I try to keep it on the ice because I don't want to gross out my teammates. I'd rather gross yeah. out the other team. That's my strategy. <laughs> Um, do, you, yeah. do, you, do you still play hockey, actually? 
Uh, no, so I play pickup hockey. That's about it. Not, <laughs> not, not. Uh, I quit when I was basically eighteen, and then it was either you got to go on to college hockey or, mm-hmm. you know, further. So, um, I, I prefer sports that are, uh, um, either really warm or really cold. I love to ski and I love to kiteboard and those kind of adrenaline <laughs> sports. So, it's, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, but hockey, I, I'm I'm not too much of a team guy because <laughs> having CF. You know, a lot of the games pick up hockey at 12 o'clock at night or late, yeah. and you have to do it on their time, their schedule. I'm, uh, I like to live free on my own schedule, so <laughs> if I go kiteboarding, I just go when the wind blows, right? So uh-huh. yeah, that's, uh-huh. that's kind of how I, I get around that, yeah. Awesome. That, that's pretty cool. Um, so now we'll, we'll, we'll sort of close that here by the Monarch, but, you know, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that. I think the best part of Monarch is, is the travel capacity of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think it, it's just, it makes traveling, so I, I travel quite a bit for work, and I think traveling with the Monarch has just become so much easier for me, because I'm not looking around a big machine, right? I, I think yeah. it's one of those things where it's all kind of self-contained, it's all one, you know, little piece, I can even control it through my phone if I have to, uh, and, and it's all sort of right there, and I, I, I have to say, thank you, Martin, for, for sort of giving yeah. us that, that, yeah, that, that, that the ability you. to do that, but I, I you know, <laughs> yes, but I, I think, <laughs> I think that's probably the best part of it, and, and I, I want to know your thoughts on that, was that, because of your virtue of being a helicopter pilot and you wanted to get around so much, was that part of the idea behind it as well? Or, you know, what what really led to the the all-encompassing device rather than having to have different parts? So I wanted to, yeah, basically because of traveling. Uh, when I went north, all you had was a hockey bag to take with you pretty much. And I still travel a lot. I spend a lot of time in my motorhome or a lot of time traveling in the winter on airplanes. It's just easy to take. And, you, and, and I think... One of the biggest benefits is um, whether you use this vest or another vest, it's, it's, it gives another option to people who weren't doing treatment before. And now it's given them treatment. And I think I, I'm all about being active, right? So if you put a normal vest on, you sit there and you sit on the couch slouched over, you start texting, you, mm-hmm. you don't breathe in deep. But if you if you got this device that allows you to go camping, go hiking, go do these things, you are going to breathe more. You're going to naturally do better. And not only that, it's going to give you a positivity in life. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be a happier, better person. And naturally, I believe if you're if you're happy and you're doing things you love, you're going to live longer. You're gonna you're gonna fight harder. So mm-hmm. I think it's just going to overall, you know, change from from sitting on the couch being known as a sick kid, you know, to being free where you just have to take this device with you. It's kind of like when you used to have a telephone, you had to sit on your couch with the old, <laughs> you know, the old dial tone That's so thing. true. And now you've got a cell phone where you can just do on your bike, quickly text your girlfriend, right? Exactly. So uh, times have, I've, I've, I've often told people times have changed and therapy hasn't changed with it for so long. And mm. that was my goal to change. I wanted to create something that uh, provides airway clearance and that people can use for cystic fibrosis, uh, mainly because of that's the disease I have. And, and give them freedom so that we can live life and enjoy things. I mean, life is limitless. I, you know, I, I, I want to do a lot of things and I've got a lot of stuff I want to do still. So um, it's going to give me the opportunity to do it. Absolutely. I, I have to say this is the first time I've ever heard a vest be uh, compared to a telephone, but here we are. Uh, now, uh, we're, we're, we're just about out of time here, but Martin, I want to give you the last word. Um, if you could give any advice to, to a family raising a little one with cystic fibrosis, what would, you, what, what, what would it be? I think if you're um, looking at the future, I think the future is really bright. Um, you know, all of us three today have lived through the hard time of CF, I think, uh, back in the days. But I think uh, in the next five years, we're going to th- see uh, 
some major breakthroughs and uh, major major changes, and I think they're going to live a full, fantastic life. But I think in the meantime, we, now more than ever, the parents and the children or people going to college, use the monarch, use whatever devices you have, and keep yourself as strong and as healthy as you can until these drugs come out. Mm-hmm. Like my doctor said, I was in clinic a month ago, and he said, Martin, it's not too late for you. You just got to try and fight as hard as you can to not lose any more lung function, you know, and I'm at that 62%, you know, it's, it's starting to get at that, you know, crucial point. Right. So, um, I I want to, I want to fight hard. And I think if the parents should really keep their kids active and and be really positive, because I think the future is, is really bright. It it absolutely is. It absolutely is. is. Well, Martin, I want to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, you betcha. Um, you can catch Breathe In uh, in several different places, right, Tiffany? Tiffany, what is our Instagram? At Breathe underscore in underscore pod. Right, the DMs on the Instagram are always wide open to sliding. Give, us, give us topics to talk about. Um, we always want to know what you want to hear. Um, yes. You can always catch, you can catch Tiffany and the Salty Sisters at their Etsy store, Salty Sisters yeah. with the C on Etsy. You can catch them on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and you can email them at saltysisters at gmail.com. I'm Gunnar Size. You can catch me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Make sure you like my public profile. Don't friend my private profile because I will not accept you. I will not accept you. Don't do it. <laughs> well, don't do it. Um, I think that's all we have for today. Just one quick note is that we were talking about a medical device manager. You always talk to your doctors before pursuing a course of treatment right that is the most important thing here um martin thanks again for joining us it was a pleasure talking to you today yes yeah that was great thank you so much and if anybody has any questions they can follow me on instagram cool Uh, martin what's your instagram yeah it's uh cf underscore adventurer life all one word cool cf underscore adventurer life catch martin on instagram thanks guys for and we will uh talk to you next week yeah bye good luck